Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Hello, welcome to the RTGA podcast. Uh, Mikey Stafford and Rory O'Neill with you as always. And we're looking ahead to a hurling only weekend. God's sport, the purest of sports, given a weekend of its own. It's only right and proper. And to discuss that, we're joined by Jackie Tyrrell and Colin Keyes of the Irish Independent. I hope everybody is well, yes? Great. Awesome, Mikey. Mikey. That's yeah, fantastic. We're we're recording a little late. Jackie was ten minutes late. I'm not sure whether there was a generator fire in his house or what it was, but he's here now anyway, and that's the important <laughs> thing. Um, everyone's going to be ten minutes late. It's just nice that you sent the text, Jackie. That's all we want. The text is fine. Once once we know you're coming late, we can uh, we, we we can work around it. I hope the fire is out anyway. Um, I missed this on Monday. I just wanted to mention it because it's just so funny. Um, and I think probably everybody's heard it by now. But um, in his post match comments after the draw with Dublin. Davy Fitzgerald had to go with an unnamed hurling columnist who had supposedly uh, compared, likened a National League medal to a two euro coin. That columnist was, of course, our our colleague here, Anthony Daly. Um, and I just think it's funny that Davy really took issue with it. Said like he's cheapening, you know, he's demeaning it, you know. He's, he, uh, but what Anthony Daly actually wrote was over four decades on though, and winning a league title is nearly a trigger for hiding the cup. And making sure nobody gets carried away. In fact, you don't even want uh, have to warn people off anymore. That was obvious amongst water supporters after last year's league final against Cork. It's a real pity that the league has become that devalued. The two medals I really regret not having are an All-Ireland club and a National League. That club medal would obviously mean a lot more, but our second most important inter-county medal now seems to contain as much value as a loose two-euro coin. Um, Colin Keyes, it's hardly uh, that... Irish Examiner column was hardly uh, an attack on the National League. I think it was a lament for it, but it, it's less about that and more about just the fact that Davy, he's clearly back on the sideline. As you said, he's on a war footing now, isn't he? And he has to he has to find fuel for this fire somewhere. That's Tom. it. Uh, yeah. It's a war footing for him once he returns. Once he returns to the sideline, he had two players sent off. Obviously, uh, emotions a little bit high, and uh, he was looking for targets clearly and felt strongly about it after. After what was, you know, a very, very competitive game. And we had very competitive league games all over the weekend. And it strikes me that the league is a series of battles without ever being a war. And yeah. last weekend Which probably probably proved that. Um, Jackie, you you obviously hurled your entire intercounty career under a manager who I wouldn't say went looking for things in the same manner as Davey does. But, you know, if trouble found Brian Cody, he wouldn't be so about, say, kind of... um you know, escalating or at least seeming to use it to his advantage, or at least that's how we in the media saw it. Would that have been in the dressing room? Would, 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 could, could he kind of flam stuff up and, you know, to use the old metaphor, stick something up on the dressing room wall? Would that be something Brian would have done with the players? Or was that reserved for those of us in the, in the media? Yeah, he would have never got specific as regards referencing, <clears throat> excuse me, individuals who would have said stuff or things like that. But he'd often use the phrase they or, you know, the outside world have said X, <laughs> Y or Z or that kind of stuff. And we would all know who we'd be talking about. I remember when <laughs> yeah, Burlock, Nan, yeah. Burlock said we were over physical. Then he said we were a functional team and all that kind of stuff. And he would all call that, he'd, he'd, he'd term it all under one thing, rubbish. He said, the yeah. rubbish that's out there, X, Y and Z and that. So he'd never get specific. We'd have a fair idea. And sometimes you wouldn't even know what's being said because you're in your own bubble. But if there was a really high profile 
player, ex-player, columnist, pundit that would have said something and would have got a lot of traction and you just can't avoid it. Um, Brian might might uh, make reference to it. Um, but I suppose he would probably be things maybe that referees might be targeting us so that, you know, with our physicality. And if someone said something about us in the media and it gets traction again, there's just this hype out there that Kenya are over physical and they're dirty and all that kind of stuff. But he used outside noise, he used rubbish, all that kind of stuff. He wouldn't exactly say that Anthony Daly has said a league medal is only worth two euro, that kind of thing. He wouldn't get that specific. But uh, you know, but it was very rare, Mikey. We weren't that kind of team to do that. I know Joe Canning said in his Labour Gale, which was very interesting. I didn't think he'd be the type of character to do that, but it just shows different people, different personalities, different teams use these things in different ways. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually, Jackie, I would uh, come in there. I, I, Brian would often reserve uh, everything for his post-match, post-All-Ireland final press conference in the auditorium. Yeah. That's when it would all... It was like a State yeah. of the Union. Yeah, yeah it was like a, when everything was settled and everything was done and the... And, 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 and the, the cup, and the cup safe, and the cup safe going back then to Then he cut loose because yeah. obviously in 2007, yeah. I was actually upstairs in the media room. He had come up to speak to Brian Carty's championship hour program afterwards and uh, that's when he actually I was sitting beside him when he described in 2007 when he described Gerald Nan as a lunatic mm. and obviously <laughs> there was Marty Morrissey's post-match conference uh, post-match interview in 2009 uh, in 2011 I specifically remember <laughs> in 2011 actually after the league final defeat the independents ran a, a, a skyline the front page croker choke he really took offense to that in 2011 Rory, i guess i i think we're affectionately remembering brian cody here and we're like we are enjoying davy because maybe there's a sense maybe that modern management to maybe lads are trying to you know uh, be a little bit more sterile, a little bit safer in press conferences and how they deal with the media. And uh, just to say, we're not sensitive. We enjoy that. You know, it, it's we're a great, it, it makes good copy. It makes good interviews. It makes good TV. So, you know, kind of more Davies and more Brian Cody's. There's no harm in that. Brilliant. I, I think all that adds to it. I think it should, and it should, it should be welcomed. But the, the funny thing about Davy is, I suppose, it's, it's unusual because, I've never really seen him having a go at any former teammates before in the media or anything, or, or have I? Um, yeah, like, I mean, I think all of that is, is, is just... Well, himself to, and Brian Lowen wouldn't exactly Brian be buzzing Lowen, buddies. I think, I, think, <laughs> I think he might have taken issue with Jamesy on a, on a couple of occasions down in the past, whether it was a column in the Sunday Independent or maybe what he might have been saying on Skype. But, um, yeah, like, I mean, look, that's Davey. I think that sort of siege mentality works really well for a manager as well that tends to get the short sharp shock nature to his tenures if you look at Davies track record generally speaking he enjoys an awful lot of success in the first couple of years when he goes into teams they usually you know you get that sort of initial managerial bounce and um, it tends to fade then and I think a key part of it is creating that siege mentality and I think we got all fed into it last weekend they were quite aggressive they gave pet but Waterford have always had that streak in them anyway and I suppose look it's a tricky one from the point of Mac from Stephen Bennett although having said that the game he's probably going to miss is this weekend against Leash so I wouldn't imagine that's uh, too much of a it's like a Premier League player picking up that fifth yeah, bucket when yeah, he knows the yeah, FA Cup I, is the next week. I, 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 I seriously doubt they were going out to challenge it or to appeal it in any way, um, given the distraction that that can cause because of how congested everything is now. And and like, 
But I still think managers will still use it. I mean, John Kiley's not afraid to come out. If John Kiley feels that Limerick are being whistled incorrectly or that there's a perception out there uh, that he feels is mislaid or misplaced. He thinks, say, or if he, he thinks teams are diving. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, look, I know he came back to correct those comments afterwards and he maybe felt that he was, um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say misquoted, but maybe he, you know, he he constructed the, the, the sentence in an incorrect fashion in some in some way. But there, there, there's there's plenty, there's still plenty of, and I think that needs to be welcomed. I think the more colourful characters that you have, and it's great that we do tend to have them more in hurling, the better because, you know, look, hurling is. Uh, I, I, it's a great line from Don Low Cusack, and it's one that I've often stolen myself. As much oxygen as you can give it is a healthy thing from my point of view. And characters like Davy Fitz and Brian Cody, and I'm great, great to hear Jackie, he's back involved with the village and uh, back prowling the sidelines again down there. Uh, are you going to tag out for him? Well, I'm not a senior hurler anymore, Rory. So <laughs> I thought he'd get you back there for the old bear in the square job. <laughs> I'll be down in the junior levels looking up at him doing his thing. So, but uh, yeah, no, he's back in the manager of the club this year now. So that's brilliant. Fair play to him. That implies you'd be going to training, Jackie. And I, I, do you go training, junior? Oh, we do. Yeah, yeah. We all train together, seniors and juniors. Ah. So we'll, be all, we'll be all under the. But so he'll still be training you. Yeah, he will. Yeah, he will. If there's no escape, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's uh, okay. I was going to go to the, to 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 the match down in the Gaygrounds, but sure, since we'd be talking so much about Brian Cody, let's might as well talk about um, uh, the uh, Kilkenny Tip game, um, the first of the post Brian Cody era. We'll stop talking about the post Brian Cody era at some stage, but you know, this game does look interesting, Jackie. Um, it's Shane McGrath here. He says. We don't win, and we've an awful record in Nolan Park with Jason. We love going down there to play. Um, and he's enthusiastic about it, and I'd imagine Tip. He can only beat what's put in front of you, and they 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 did massacre Leash, but you know they were able to leave Jason Ford on the line, and you know they 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 didn't bring him on, and you know you could see the you know Cadell and Morris were on the bench and coming in, and like they had a they had out a strong team, but Liam Cahill also had a decent bench to call on, and didn't even call on his scorer in chief, gave him the week off. Um, we were talking here about you know the recreation of Mikey Breen as a as a um, fullback and James Kennedy going up to wing forward. So Liam Cahill's already putting his stamp on this team, and to go down to Northern Park and get a win in the league would be worth a hell of a lot more than two points. Yeah, it would it? It's it's obviously a huge game for both, and there's certain games within the league from a Kilkenny's perspective, and I'd say a lot of other teams that they just put a lot of weight on it. And this will definitely be one for Kilkenny and for Liam Cal because he will learn out, he'll probably learn as much out of this game going into the lines then as he will of two or three other league games. And the same for, for Derek Ling, like how will Billy Drennan front up this weekend in a really hostile game, which is the local rivals, Kilkenny and Tip. And Brian, in his time, put a huge amount of mass on it, particularly when we went to Torles, because that was really, really a test about a lad's metal, about a lad's character. Um, so it's going to be a huge game from a learning point of view, and obviously the two points at stake is is, is huge as well, because with, with, with the way the league is, 1A and 1B, I'd say this weekend we'll probably have a lot of the movers and shakers from 1B, and, and the league will shape up a lot from this year, but it's going to be a massive game. It is It is the league, and we know what the league is for, but there's certain games within them that are just huge. And this is Kilkenny and Tip. This is in Nolan Park. There's history, there's tradition, there's hatred, everything wrapped up into it. Um, and there'll be no doubt about it that Derek will be instilling in these young lads 
that this isn't a league game. There's this, there's there's more to this than than just a league and two points. And we will find out an awful lot about about particularly the new guys uh, in Kilkenny and Tip um, if they're up for if they're ready for the battle, uh, whether they have the Leroy of going into the lines then and taking on the old enemy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they're di- different situations, Colm, Really, I suppose like uh, Dermot's coming in to like manage a, a fairly well established serial Leinster champion, if no longer a serial All Ireland champion, but like arguably second best team in the country for the last few years uh, in terms of consistency at least whereas Liam Cahill you know Colin Bonner's one year in charge for a variety of reasons a lot of them out of his control was was went very very badly um there's you know there's new players to be found there's confidence to be restored um it's it's in a way replacing Brian Cody is unenviable but Liam Cahill's task in terms of actual management is probably a lot more difficult isn't it yeah it it is and um I suppose for, for Derek Ling, he was by Brian Cody's side for between 2014 and I think 2019 uh, when he stepped away. So he's lots of experience of standing very, very close to that to that hot seat. So it was, and it should be, even though it's daunting enough, but it should be relatively seamless. And that may seem strange to say to replace someone like Brian Cody, but I think given the position he had held for those six years, uh, it's probably easier on him than anyone else. Liam Cahill, yeah, a lot of, but he's taken Tipperary at a very, very good time. Uh, they obviously couldn't really sink any lower. If you take their first league game last year, it was also against Leash, and they won that by four points. Last weekend, they won by 20. So already there's a sign there that there's significant pickup. And I look at their their half-back line. Just You see Brian O'Mara back with the squad this year. It's huge. Uh, very, very big. I mean, he's a player that they always would have identified, stepped out last year, would have always have identified to come through. And then the other side, the other side of Ronan, Ronan Maher is Brian McGrath. And to see those two players coming through and really bedding down, it looks like they're going to both bed down now, uh, would be a real lift for Tipperary to have that half-back line in place. Breen is obviously an interesting one. But when you look at the record between these two teams, in the league, in regulation games, strip out the 2019 All-Ireland final. If you look back over the last four years, five, sorry, four or five meetings, never more than a point in it. The last three games, actually, regulation games in the league, whether it's Sample Stadium or Nolan Park, there's been just one point in it and they drew in 2017. So this is this is a very, as Jackie said, and obviously a very keen rivalry, but beyond championship and the bigger games, even when it comes down to these games, there is rarely anything between them unless it's early season and tip have lost heavily when they're all Ireland they've been all Ireland champions. That's happened way back. But in 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 modern terms, a really, really keen rivalry here still, no matter no matter what. And I think Liam Cahill will focus on that. That this is a this is a game he will definitely have targeted. I think Tipperary and Kilkenny are two teams who who will actually chase league success. They will focus on the war as much as those battles that we spoke about earlier. Uh, and I think this this game will reveal a lot. I don't think we'll see Jason Ford and Jake Morris sitting on the bench for as long as they did last last no. weekend. I, I, had a, I had a closer look. Sorry, sorry, Jackie. Go on. They're also playing again next weekend in that Dylan Quirk fundraiser as well. So I, I, they're playing two weeks in a row. Yeah. I had a closer look at the game there on um, against against Antrim from the weekend and couple of things stood out for me like from Kilkenny's perspective like they did use the short game a little more a little too elaborately than necessary but I, I think it's the kind of game that's going to take time to bet in 
And that's a big culture shift for a county like Kilkenny, like no doubt whatsoever that they'll figure it out. The times to look for intricacies are being more direct. One of the noticeable things about Limerick when they, when they adopt it is their masters of timing. Like there is a time with the short game to push the button. Limerick get these lovely one-twos and maybe a third. Their plan always seems to me anyway. It's about using the short game to create a little pocket of space for the final leg of the triangle, which then in turn vastly improves the delivery and the quality to Flanagan and Galan. It isn't about purely transferring the ball from back to front. And I just thought at times on Saturday, Kilkenny looked to move it short through a good bit of traffic. I think that's going to evolve as they adopt it a bit more, but I don't see them becoming Watford or Wexford under Davey. I think, I think they'll pluck parts of modern hurling that are effective and they'll blend that well with their own philosophy. But I'd expect them to remain fairly loyal to some of their more longstanding principles around inside forwards being able to fend for themselves. One thing that was surprising was their finishing. At times, very a bit, bit hurried, lacking in a little composure, and I had a kind of a nervousness. But like that's kind of that that would be uncommon with Kilkenny. But I just think that's sharpness, and I think that'll come. And there's no better place to sharpen the blades than Nolan Park against Tipperary. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll move on. That's because there are, as you say, there's a couple of games that really are worthy of attention this week. It's it's a good fixture list. Um, Moon to Pierce Stadium next uh, two o'clock on Sunday. Uh, Galway and Cork is a very interesting one, I, I think, Jackie, because um, I think uh, Cork perhaps will feel. They've got so much out of last week. And one of the things people are saying is kind of how hard they worked, you know, how physically up to fight for the fight they were, especially in the second half, which might have been, you know, kind of where people might have targeted Cork in the past and said, sure, if it's a shooting contest, they might beat us, but let's drag him into the trenches. Um, Galway, to me, strike me as a team who, for the last few years, along with Limerick, can do both. You know, they mm. can have a, yeah. they can drag you into the trenches, but if you want to have a shooting contest to turn it into a skills competition, Galway can do that too. So this will be a really interesting test for uh, Pat Ryan and Cork, won't it? Yeah, it really will. And it's, I suppose, the question will be asked, will Cork bring what they did last week in the second half? Um, will we see signs of it right consistently throughout the game or, you know, like they can't afford to do it for a half and then get a bit of a bollock in a half time and come out in the second half. Um, will we see the likes of Patrick Horgan putting in those hooks and blocks like we've seen at the end of the game? Um, he hasn't really done it on a consistent level throughout his career. Maybe, you know, the time is now where Pat Ryan is like, look, this is this is the standard. We need to come to the table, 15 guys putting the shoulder to the wheel. So that would be interesting to see that question. Um, also the other kind of guys like you know Tommy O'Connell we thought was really good last week how yeah. he performed again this week on Downey at fullback Conor O'Callan these new guys as well will they be able to shore up we say the fullback link because Kieran Joyce has six you know and they have loads of options at five and seven um, so those questions you know we'll, we'll learn out a bit more about that uh, Galway who were really really impressive last week. I was a little disappointed with Evan Nyland and Don Shea because they need to unearth new talent. I thought it was the old guard again. I thought Garrod McInerney was outstanding the weekend. I thought when Brian Concanon came on, he offered a whole different threat to what that Don Shea or, or Evan Nyland had proposed inside. So although it was a really good performance, I'm sure Henry would have liked a bit more out of them to, to develop the, 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 the panel a bit. So he'll be he'll be seeing how they go, and will we start to see more of maybe the old guard of Galway guys coming back and being sprinkled into this into this team? So you know, fascinating the game again, and I do think both managers will will learn an awful lot more 
about their panels, about their teams, um, and how consistent they are. Can they back up another performance? And it's not all about silky hurling and all that. Like if Cork don't win this weekend, don't play well, but they front up, they work hard, things just don't work out for them, and maybe some of their key players just don't perform. You know, there's still a consistent approach as regards attitude, work rate, and body language. Something you can build on into week three, into the third round of the league. Yeah, Colin, um, one interesting thing from the Wexford match was, um, yeah, well, it wasn't a constant, but it was noticed, um, the use of Connor Whelan, you know, he started further out the field than perhaps we're usually used to seeing him and was even kind of doing a little bit of sweeping or at least going back to collect the ball, you know, from in the half back line. Um, not to start the the um, Aidan O'Shea argument in hurling, but to me, Connor Whelan, I know they have they do have a fair number of talented inside forwards, but it, to me, he's the most terrifying, possibly one of the most terrifying full forwards in the game. So to kind of bring him out the field, you do lose something. That's for sure. Uh, I think, but games like these, managers will always test out a player in another in another position, and you know that. It was relatively risk-free to do that down in down in Wexford Park. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, I just think it was a type of game. Let's throw him out there, see 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 what he can add. In you might be looking for that for ten minutes in a championship match at some stage to dig them out. I don't think yeah. that's a, I don't think that's a long-term solution because, as you say, inside he is terrifying. Is that goal he scored against Cork in the early stages of last year's All Ireland quarter final? He has that low center of gravity and that ability to sweep over shots from very acute uh, angles from the sideline. So, look, Connor Whelan is their, is their main inside threat, as you say. He's one of the best inside forwards there is, and uh, I think that was very, very much a temporary measure. I do agree with Jackie. I think I think Galway need Evan Nyland to step up. They need someone that can bring consistency to uh, place balls. In, in the wake of Joe Canning and after Joe's departure, they really need either Don Loche or Evan Nyland. Evan Nyland is probably closer at this stage and he did deliver a lot of frees, but they definitely need a consistent free taker that's going to going to give them guarantees. And I think it's an imperative that over the next two years, one of those players really, really kicks on and uh, nails down a permanent place and brings more, brings more from general play to justify their selection because they need them. Yeah, well, that's that's something we'll definitely come back to during the years. The um, balancing the need for an accurate free taker who also contributes some play. The flip side of that is Lee Chin, who contributes so much from play for Wexford and has developed into a great free taker. But when he's not there, holy Jesus, they really, they really, it's very noticeable. Uh, Connor McDonald, uh, you know, neither the O'Connors, you know, they've all been tried and it just it just doesn't it doesn't really work. So it's something we might come back to. Also in this game, Rory, um, which is again could have brought this topic up talking about any game, but when you this one, particularly because of how Corks maybe approach might change under Pat Ryan. And it's something Shane McGrath mentioned in his column yesterday is just the sheer physicality of hurling now and just whether you're, you know, kind of, would a Joe Dean make this Cork team? Would a Joe Dean make any intercounty team? Yeah. Obviously, like the talent, of course he would. Would he be spotted even with his talent or a Chaff as Patrick or a, a Pat Fox? Or, you know, you can go back, obviously, lads get smaller the further back you go. Jackie probably started out marking midgets and ended up marking, you know, kind of uh, rugby back rowers, you know, in the end of his career. I'll ask you in a second, Jackie. But Rory, it is it is noticeable, isn't it, that like it's not this isn't new, but it does seem your knacky little corner forward is a bit of a rare breed these days. Yeah, but I mean, I still think they're like the um, 
the cornerback for Kilkenny last year, Jackie, Mickey, Mickey, Mickey Butler, Mickey Butler, Butler, right? I mean, he wouldn't be a very big no. fella, I would imagine. And you're playing in a cornerback position where you're probably coming up against, you know, where your job really is probably to get stuck in and to be quite physical. I, I think there will always be a role for any people of any size, you would hope, in the game of hurling, because I think ultimately it is still a game of skill, but the combat nature of it. And look, it's it's been a game of combat as well for well over 5,000 years or however long it's been going on. I think that obviously is going to exacerbate the necessity for teams to really bulk up and be a lot more physical. And I think that's what you're seeing an awful lot. I mean, it is really interesting, I think, now in terms of you know, how the game was even refereed. It was, I thought it was very, quite interesting. Actually, last weekend, we saw John Keenan for the first time since his Munster final uh, outing. You know, he was obviously taken back out of uh, the cryogenic chamber <laughs> after his performance in the Munster in the Munster hurling final where he effectively ignored the rule book or introduced the half foul, which I think only, I think the half foul is, exists in the rule book somewhere, but I think only hurling people can find it. Uh, it's a tricky one to find, but I think all of those things contribute to a game that I think is much more conducive to people playing at a very high physical level. You've got to spend a lot of time in the gym nowadays, but I don't necessarily think being small rules that out. Like, I mean, I think if Jodine exists now or Cha Fitz or these types of hurlers, you'd find a role for them, but they would have to spend probably as much time in the weight room as they do in the ball alley. Yeah. You know, that's just a just that's just a, a fact of modern hurling. I suggest it could be, uh, in that regard, it would be it'll be interesting to see Patrick Fitzgerald's development in Waterford this year and next mm. year with that in mind. And player like Shane Meehan, maybe I'm doing them a service in terms of physicality, but they are young and emerging, and it will be interesting to see you know where, where they take them and how they how they fit into their respective teams uh with that discussion point in mind around physicality because it probably is waning that little bit that, uh, you know, Kevin Broderick is another one from Galway that you'd have in mind for that. Uh, it probably is waning a little bit that the game, there's so much force in the game that uh, these players are probably at inter-county level being marginalised that, that bit more. So it will be interesting for Sterling and Meehan would be two I would have in mind. Mm. Jackie, you obviously, you were, you were, you were quite the wallflower on the field and wouldn't have got involved in any physicality much, but um, <laughs> would you have noticed it, say, from the start of your career to the end that the size of, like, a corner forward is traditionally the position, at underage level at least, it's usually a smaller guy. He might be skillful, but he's not usually the biggest guy on the pitch. And I'm just wondering, did you kind of notice, like, the evolution of man, the evolution of corner forward throughout your career? Well, I suppose I started off marking Dotsie O'Callaghan from Dublin, so the spectrum was quite low, literally. Um, but, you know, that brought his own challenges. Dotsie nearly going Sorry. under your legs and getting goals and going around you, really. Uh, and then I suppose I finished up probably one of my last games marking Jason Flynn of Galway, who was actually taller than me, you know. So I suppose there was a journey there. Um, but, yeah, there's... The, and throughout my career, you could see how physicality and weights and strength and condition all came in. And since then, it's gone up another couple of levels. But I'd like to think the game is still honed around the skills of the game. And if guys can perfect the skills to the, to the lad's point, you'll find a role for him. And I think of Peter Casey. I think of Tony Kelly. I think of Mark Rogers. I think of Keen Kenny. All guys, hugely skillful. Mikey Butler. There still is 
uh, an area for a smaller guy, both in height and in, and in width, that, you know, we can facilitate and allow them, you know. And, 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 and now, I do think of King Kenny in the All-Ireland last year and probably didn't have his best game, but was just probably out muscle. So maybe in the middle of the field isn't the, isn't the best. Uh, yeah, guys. I was going to say that. Maybe it, it's a cornerback, it, it, maybe it's a corner forward, a really skilled, specialised position. Um, but yeah, and even I think Rory Hayes, like from a height, height point of view, you know, wouldn't be the tallest. But um, I suppose it's it's everyone is changing. But I do think that the skillful guys, they'll always be a need from. They'll always be on. Although if you don't have physicality like Chaff, it's Patrick. By God, was he able to read a game? Was he able to? He he, he could run a game from one side of the field, and he was so small. But sweetest um, striker yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah, you think it's Tony Kelly? Tony Kelly's not. He's not. He's not strong. As regards width wise, he's not tall, but man, can he? Can he? You think if the games he's played against Limerick were probably the most physical team out there, and he's still able to shine. Yeah. yeah. And Paul Flanagan last year, Jackie, in the Munster final, yeah. went head to head with Kyle Hayes. Hey, he Hayes. picked up Kyle yeah. Hayes for a lot of the game. Now he was conceding inches and he was obviously conceding KGs as well there in that in that in that battle. But he did very well that day. And again, skill got him by and anticipation and just bit of patience and he was able to hold his own in that game so from a cornerback's point of view uh, yeah. himself and both Mikey Butler tried and they wouldn't be the biggest so mm. they're, they're probably in certain positions there probably is more so than midfield Yeah, and I, I'll go back to one more reference 2018 All-Ireland Final Mike Casey full back Johnny Glenn full forward giving away about 4 or 5 inches mm. and I remember I went back and I did a column on it and I watched it I think Mikey Casey touched the ball three or four times and was absolutely outstanding and took Johnny Glenn out of the game and one, was one of the big fillets of why Limerick were All-Ireland champions so perfect yeah. example yeah um, we've mentioned Limerick Clare so we, we, we'll finish up on that we haven't got time obviously to mention all the games Um Jackie is fascinating because like there was, you know, there was a, a cigarette paper between these teams last year. Obviously they drew in the league, they drew in the round robin and um, then they obviously they drew in the Munster final. The Munster, drew in the Munster final in 70 minutes and obviously uh, Limerick prevailed by a goal. Um, it's in, it's in the McMaggie's stand is sold out in the Gaelic grounds already. They're probably going to get upwards of 30,000 at this match. This is, as you said at the start, about Tipperary Kilkenny, there are certain league games that mean more than there. There, there's a weight attached to them. There's an anchor attached to this one, isn't there? Absolutely, and they've rekindled a, a, an old fire and an old tradition and a, and a rivalry there. And if you think about it, it's probably is it's probably easier for some Clare fans to get to this game than there is Limerick fans. So it's almost like a home game for them. So this will have a huge, will get huge attention. Um, there'll be a big crowd at it. They, they're, they're after really getting to know each other we think of the Munster final last year and the games that they've played so this is going to be another humdinger and I suppose Clare have gone very much under the radar I suppose the end of last year kind of set people's expectations I think back of them but this is a really really good team Brian Lone has done an outstanding job we still have the likes of Mark Rogers, who we think is going to kick on I'm sick listening to Anthony Daly about this Adam Hogan cornerback he thinks he's going to be the next big thing um, so they're doing a lot of good stuff I suppose John Conlon who's key to that whole piece because if he's at six he just knits yeah. it all together if they don't have him they probably have to jig things around so he'll be very important to him Tony Kelly didn't play last weekend we might see him this weekend so Clare are building a really really nice panel uh, Aidan, Aidan McCarthy is back so you know they're doing a lot of right things without kind of getting probably the recognition or the focus of it so It'll be a good asset test for them this weekend going into the Gaelic grounds and renewing that 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 rivalry. 
Um, Limerick will obviously want to bounce back from last week. They'll probably change around their team again. I don't know if we'll see maybe Declan Hannan or Garrod Hegarty to might give them the week off. Um, so there's, there's, there's a lot on the line this weekend. Yeah. Uh, Colm, kind of, we talk about a lot about Limerick and their attitude to the league in the last couple of years. The more I think about it, the more I kind of I can see another perspective on it for John Kiley. His team are so obviously the benchmark that, you know, for a, for a manager like Brian Lowe building a panel, he'll be targeting this game and he'll be seeing it as a chance to like, like blood new players, see what they have, like see if they've got it, see if they can stand up to the white heat of championship, et cetera, et cetera. And on the other hand, if they do get a result, it's a massive fill-up for, opposi- for the opposition. So in a way I can see why Limerick kind of, I don't think they won't be up for this game, but in general in the league, it's like, why would, why would we give them this sounding board, like our absolute best sounding board for them to see exactly what they have? Because we are, we are the, the level. And also, you know what, if we throw, if we throw in a couple of clangers during the league, everybody's victories over us is, are devalued. And I'm not saying this is how he thinks, but from the outside, this is kind of how I'm beginning to think about it. And it's kind of canny because all those teams who beat Limerick in the league last year, by the end of the league, they were kind of blown out their cheeks saying, well, did we really beat Limerick or did we beat, you know, a shadow of Limerick? So I don't think that applies this weekend, but at the same time, it just it's interesting for me to think about how Brian Lone's approaching this game and how John Kiley's approaching it. And I, I think Brian Lone will be taking it a lot more seriously, even though I know John Kiley won't want to lose it. Yeah, I, th- it, I, go, I go back to that evening in Park at Cueve last Easter Sunday. Uh, Limerick were after beating Cork quite convincingly. There was almost a sense of deflation about everything that had gone on in the league. Limerick under pressure. There wasn't a word about it. Even Tipperary or uh, Waterford had struggled that day to beat Tipperary. And you got a sense that this is just a whole new ball game. And John Kiley admitted as much. And the only thing I'd say about it this year, Mikey, is that the Ireland final for them in 2021 uh, wrapped up in late August, mid to late August. Uh, last year, it was mid to late July. So you could say, and they probably are a month more advanced than they were this time last year. And that was probably reflected in Parky Cueve the other night. Okay, they'd only seven or eight of their starting team, and they're probably going to lose Declan Hannan. He has a hand injury this weekend, so he's unlikely to play. And it is questionable about whether they will put Garrod Hegarty uh, in again because he is really he's the magnet for almost every other opponent no matter who they are they see get Garrod Hegarty try and get something on him and you can start to consider bringing Limerick down because he is the totemic big figure in there the, un- the other one column is Aaron Galan obviously and John Kiley is is staying stum on this uh, do you get any sense have you any insight on this one because obviously you know it's well, a disciplinary matter they're not wanting to include him it's a huge call to leave out your scorer in it chief. It is a huge call, but they left out one of their players, something similar during last year's championship. Obviously, that made the public domain. Uh, and obviously, they have to follow that template. So maybe it'll be a time for time that the same length of time for when that player was removed from the squad until the end of the championship. I would say we will see Aaron Galan back towards the end of the league. I do not think that Limerick will leave him out when they're chasing four in a row. No. Obviously, they have to make a point. But I do think we will see him back probably towards the end of the league and certainly by the first round of the Munster Championship. He will be in the picture, whether he starts or not at that stage, but as the season goes on. But right now, yeah, he's off He's off the squad and uh, he's off for an apparent disciplinary issue. Um, and obviously Limerick aren't saying anything about it, but I do think he will be back. Yeah, um, I guess Rory, 
his chances of getting back in the team, back in the panel will depend a lot on how, you know, kind of the the the, the new crop get on during the league when they're, when oh, they're given I their chance. I Jenny, Mikey, I don't know. A fully fit, fully functional, fully focused, m- minus all distractions, Aaron Galance walks into a team, starts 100% every time. He's... He's just. Um, he you can just, you you can raise your bar a little bit if you're John Kiley if there's lads kind of uh, you, you can pressure fire on. any you can fire any kind of dirty old ball into him and even if it's an old thirty seventy that might be over his head or might be bouncing in front of a fullback who might be pulling out of him he'll probably still win it and if he doesn't he might draw a foul or a free. He, I'd say he's a nightmare a nightmare for for defenders to have to deal with because he's physical he's aggressive. It's why, like, I think they're, a lot of their success, I mean, look, a lot of their success, they just have fantastic hurlers. And by the way, speaking of fantastic hurlers, was one point I would like to make. I heard rumour, I wasn't there, obviously just watched it on TV, that Cork supporters booed Keen Lynch when he came on the field, and they should be ashamed of themselves. I was disgusted to hear that, by the way. I mean, like, I don't know what the motivation for that was, but whoever did it anyway, should hang their heads in shame. And it's just not the way Cork supporters should behave, especially with such a legend of the game like Keen Lynch. But anyway, I think, look, from Limerick's perspective, they've got so many strings to their bow. I think that's what Kylie is going to be looking to try and do for this league campaign. See, can he add another couple? Uh, the Garrod Hagerty one, probably the most consistent hurler over the last seven or eight years, maybe, in terms of the, the top hurler in the country, for, me, for my money. Certainly, uh, that would be a contest between himself and Keen Lynch. They certainly don't want anything happening to him. So it might give him the week off this week. But... It'll be a pretty raucous atmosphere. I think one of the things that struck me is just the size of the crowds that have turned out um, in the opening rounds of the league. And sometimes I like, use that uh, famous Brian Cody cliche, the game took on a life of its own. And the game might take on a life of its own. You might need lads in there to get involved in a little bit of hand-to-hand stuff. Limerick and Clare don't need a huge amount to spark off each other. These are lads that know each other from very, very young ages. I mean, you're talking about fellas that went to art school, Flannins, played hearty cup against each other, sometimes with each other, uh, um, going on to colleges and playing underage against each other. So, And then they live in each other's ears. They're very, very close. Like this, this this, it's great that it's on RT on Saturday night. This will be a cracker. Yeah, I think it will. Um, we will look forward to it and we'll review it on Monday. Um, you mentioned it there. The last thing I wanted to mention actually is the Fitzgibbon because Jackie, this is um, it's more Colin O'Rourke just discussing the Sigurdsson and injuries to a couple of his own players. But um, obviously, you know, the same the same tug of war applies in hurling in the Fitzgibbon. Um, you know, you had your time with LIT. Um, when I, I think you were, how was that dealt with by Brian Cody? Were you, were you left alone for the month of January and early February or were you expected to train or were you expected to play the odd game? And I suppose the follow up question is, what do you think they should do with it? I have, we have Lee Keegan today suggesting that moving it to November is a bad idea because that's when inter-county teams are loading up and doing a lot of heavy training. So you'd have the same injury problems. He reckons, and we won't get into it again, uh, but he reckons getting rid of the pre-season inter-county competitions and leaving space for it. But everybody has a different suggestion on it. And it's one of these issues where the, you know, the GA just kind of needs an extra month seems to be the only solution. Well, there is yeah. an extra month. It's called August. <laughs> all right, calm down, you. <laughs> um, look, I, first of all, it's an absolutely outstanding competition and one that carries a huge amount of mass with players to win a Fitzgibbon um, is very p- prestigious. And you talk to Tommy Welsh, who didn't win a Fitzgibbon, it still galls him to this day. And he did everything in his power with his really great team in UCC to win one, and they never did. 
Um, <clears throat> I was lucky enough. I won, won two with LIT. I suppose, in fairness, Brian was brilliant. He left us a, like to do to give the Fitzgibbon a good lash because we trained very hard with David Fitzgerald and really didn't call on us unless kind of really needed to. Um, and that was the way he always managed us. I'm not sure what other counties do. It does need um, it does need a place in the calendar. I do feel that this January, February window is the right time to do it. Um, and I have raised this point already. And I know there's funding issues and things like that, but I think the pre, the Walsh Cup and, and, and the tournament before, the league, we need to maybe look at that and being able to remove that from that time of the year because it's a very, it's a very busy time of the year for young guys in college and hurling inter county. And I look at Owen Cody now. I know he's probably only one of <clears throat> a very small community who won a club all Ireland, and the following week he's back out for Carlo IT and things like that. But it's a great tournament and it's great exposure for guys trying to break into an inter county team. And the level of, of of competition within it is really, really, is really, really high. Um, like you, most 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 colleges would have seven or eight inter-county teams or, or players. And I remember when we played in LIT, we'd actually 17. So it's it's to find the balancing act of where we put this. And I suppose inter, it, it, the balance that it comes back to inter-county managers being fair to them and giving them the opportunity to play during the week and realistically looking at the weekend and saying, look, this guy has played too much or he needs a week off. Or, and then the player needs to have responsibility and say, look, I'm tired, I'm fatigued, or I'm carrying a bit of a knock. I need to sit this out. So it's 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 using our head and it, it's good man management from an inter-county. And the responsibility lies with them. Colm, it's uh, your, your own county man, Colm O'Rourke, who's raised it this time. And he has defended the Sigerson in the past. But it, then once you become an inter-county manager, the, the tunnel vision kicks in. And I guess the idea of removing the pre-season competitions, they'll just be replaced by challenge matches. And inter-county exactly. managers will expect the same third level students to be available as Jackie says the the Fitzgibbon is a great shop window to play inter-county but if you then don't make yourself available to the inter-county manager because you want to keep yourself fresh for Fitzgibbon uh that might be your one and only shot so it's really tricky and it, it it's very hard to ring fence those hurlers unless you're Brian Cody managing one of the greatest hurling teams of all time and you can actually say lads go play and I'll, I'll bring in I'll draft in some young lads and some intermediates or whatever and we'll we'll get through the first few rounds of the league if you're the likes of a Colm O'Rourke in Division 2 of football this year, you don't have that luxury. So it's a really tricky one. Is there any sense within the GA that this is a, a, a nettle they want to grasp? Uh, I, I think I think it will be grasped. I think the pre-season competitions will, will be looked at. They might not necessarily be removed altogether, but I think if you start the league two weeks earlier and you... Uh, <clears throat> you uh, provide two-week gaps between between the games. And obviously, you, you go alternative hurling football. That's not ideal in some respects. But if you start it two weeks earlier, then you're building in gap weekends that the uh, that the third-level competitions can slot into. Um, you can also run your pre-season competitions from the start of the year. You don't have to finish them. They don't have to be pre-season competitions. They can be development competitions as well. You could relist them. And you could actually finish them on those gap weekends. So there is a way, there is actually a way to wire all of this in the early part of the season, just by extending or by by lengthening the league the league window uh, of opportunity. Say for, it's nine weeks currently. If you extend it to eleven, and even take an extra week and push the All Ireland final back into the first weekend in August. I know Rory's talking about August, but you can actually. There still is probably flexibility to add another week into August as it is. I think it's possible. Uh, I don't think the right fit for uh, for for Sigerson Fitzgibbon third level competition is 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 November December because 
obviously there's a lot of exams for for uh, for students around around that time and also third level GAA the footprint GAA has in third level uh, colleges universities across the country is so greater than any of its rival sports and I think that that point needs to be stressed that it has to a window and something that they're comfortable with has to be found because not only that it provides administration framework for the future which is important for the GAA as well so there is a lot of importance. I can understand Colm O'Rourke that last weekend, Meath and Clare was a huge game for both those counties. It could be the difference between fifth and sixth in the end of it all. And that could be the difference between Sam Maguire and Tarleton Cup football. Obviously, that's... And if Colm O'Rourke takes his team into the Tarleton Cup in his first year, it's not over for him, but he's certainly behind and he's he's scrambling. His his stewardship of Meath is scrambling. It's different. It's it's different for hurling managers, yeah, obviously. I think so. Because... Yeah. There is less mm. jeopardy. It goes back to the jeopardy question. There isn't really a danger of the top teams slipping down into Division Two of the Hurling League, so they can afford greater flexibility. But I do think move the leagues, start the leagues in in mid January. There may be a little bit of overlap with the club championships, uh, and it, and it is a squeeze. But you are creating more time for alternative weekends. So when Fitzgibbon is on the same weekend as a, a football league match and vice versa with Sigerson and Erling. And also you can play, so you can finish the pre-season or the development competitions as we, as we might rename them. You could end up finishing them with maybe second string teams because that's what it's all about. They are not competitions and they shouldn't be competitions. There is enough competition later in the season to be going all out to win a pre-season competition and worrying about who's available for those. So there, there probably is a way, it'll still be tight, but there is a better way. Okay, another another conundrum to deal with. It's never straightforward, is it? All right, lads. Um, well done. I think we've we we we've had uh, we we've done a preview. We've had a few philosophical conversations. What more could you want to Thursday just, morning? Just, just, just oh, he's one, not done. Sorry, I do, I do, I do think one very interesting game this weekend will be in Parnell Park. Um, I, I the, Dublin and Antrim. Dublin Antrim. Yeah, I just. You know, like it, I think this is a very, very big year for Antrim hurling. Colm may correct me here now, or certainly might add in. Is this the? It, 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 it's the first time that I remember Antrim being Tier One League and Tier One Championship for quite a long time. I mean, yeah, far- I couldn't say offhand, but it has happened. It, it has happened before, obviously. Back, but in, you're you're going back a, a good way. Yeah, probably going back to thirteen, twelve, sometime around that. I think. Yeah, yeah. So, so, and and look, this is by and large a new team. I just look there. I like. I think it's a big year for them. I think if they were to, you know, really push on, what you don't want from an Antrim perspective is this yo-yo effect. It, what would be fantastic for both hurling. In, a, in the broader scheme of things, but particularly for the Leinster Hurling Championship is if we could get a fifth, really properly competitive fifth team. Mm-hmm. And I think Antrim are probably the closest that with that type of potential. And I think it's a big year for them to try and maintain their status in league and championship. And I think it is an opportunity potentially on Saturday or Sunday, sorry, for them to go and maybe eke out the result of the weekend they've usually a good record against Dublin even though Dublin can be quite difficult to beat as we know in Parnell Park it's a really good fortress for them but um, that potentially for me has you know has an awful lot of intrigue attached to it as a fixture yeah okay. and they were, they were pretty close to Kilkenny coming down the home straight mm-hmm. I think Kilkenny had to get the last two it was only points. two points with 10-15 yeah. minutes to go so and that, Kilkenny got the last 
was it the last three or four points, whatever it was, to come and to come and win that game. And obviously they had the result against Clare and Corrigan Park the start of the 2021 league. So mm. yeah, and you look at Dunloy, you know, so competitive. Obviously, uh, Antrim club teams have been competitive before without necessarily their county team following through. But uh, no doubt about it, they are they are the most likely of those teams in Division One to survive above Westmead, above. Leash. Above leash, you know, they are probably they are most likely to survive. One interesting result, just to my point of view, looking at looking at Kildare in Division Two A beating Carlo by uh, by fourteen points. You're talking about Leinster teams yeah. coming. There's a there's a county that's like last year there was it was a draw between them. Now maybe Carlo have regressed, but I thought it was a very significant result for them to win by by fourteen points last weekend. Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely something building in Kildare. Uh, I guess it's it's it's. It's uh, it's the epicenter is all the Kilkenny men living living yeah. in the county. And the epicenter is the club and ace, but I guess it's to, to spread it county wide, and I guess that's the the, the process they're at at the moment. Um, okay, thank you very much. Obviously, you can watch the uh, Gaelic Grounds battle in this war, a phony war. Uh, Limerick and Clare on RTE two, and the RTE player on Saturday evening. Saturday Sport and Sunday Sport will keep you up to date, as will the RTE website across all the league matches. And we'll be back on Monday to preview the weekend's action. Review, not preview. Re- re- okay, we will. I've gotten out of talk, so it's time to go. Thank you to Colin, thank you to Jackie, and thank you to Rory. And we'll chat to you again next week. Good luck. by winning the last two matches on the road and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurling, I love players that will never give in. He hits it, he hits it, it's over the ball!